I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy, where we dive deep into the climate crisis and come up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. This week, we're just going to have some fun. See, people have to come to the climate conversation in their own way. Sometimes it's hard to find a way in when all you see is nightmare stories about impending crop failure and hottest days ever, and then the next day is also the hottest day ever. And maybe you feel like you just don't even know where to start, and you need to take the pressure off and play. And that's where my guest this week comes in. My name is Jenny Gottstein. I'm the creator of Beat That Heat, a climate action game show. I know. This is where we should go to, holy crap, who are you? How do you create a game show? What is your origin story? Because you know I love an origin story. But I stayed on message. I had to know about the game. Yeah, the game show is, it was designed to answer the question, can we make learning about climate solutions, can we make getting engaged in climate action more fun? or very least less overwhelming and sometimes paralyzing. So it was born out of that idea and now it is a it's alive. It's a full <laughs> it's a full 1 hour experience with different game show like missions. It's kind of like if Jeopardy, Celebrity Lip Sync Battle and Double Dare from the 90s specifically all came together to address climate change. That's how it feels. Oh my god. I want to play this game immediately. Where, how, how do people get to play it? Where do you find this game? Well, we built it on a platform that is a browser-based game. So all you need is a browser and headphones. And uh, the game itself can be played fully remote. It can be played with an in-person audience and it can also be played hybrid. So you can have a couple hundred people in an audience and then you can have a couple thousand people playing remotely and people can compete against each other. That is so awesome. All right, now let's go to the origin story. What gave you the idea for this? And how does one go about designing a game? Kind of all of those in one. Gosh, how far back do we need to go? Let's go to um, two years ago, I was working for a design company called IDEO. I was working specifically in their play lab. So I got to help companies, organizations, and government agencies understand how to incorporate play and fun and delight and game mechanics in order to be more impactful in their efforts, be it around transportation policy, financial fluency, etc. And I loved it. It was it was great fun. And prior to there, I was working at a company that designed interactive adventure games around the world. It was called the Go Game. So I got to be the the game sorcerer, I guess, running around the world, designing adventures, kind of like the amazing race meets the game with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, with clues hidden in the physical environment and actors as secret agents, all in service of getting people to create funny content that they then compete with. And some people walk away with goofy prizes. So over the last 15 years of my career, 
the common thread is that I love making serious things fun and taking fun very seriously. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's my that's how I kind of organize all of my thoughts. Like, how can we make something that's normally not fun more fun? And how can we take fun extremely seriously because it's so important? So I decided to leave my job two years ago to take a break. I had been so busy teaching other people how to make fun and understand how important fun is in getting serious work done um, that I myself was not having as much fun as I wanted to. So I, I decided to pause, take some time to rest. And in that moment, I joined a cohort that was a combination of artists, experienced designers, and climate experts. This cohort was called the Design Science Studio. And the intention of gathering these people for eight months was to collaborate on projects that increase engagement around climate. And I decided during that time to dust off this old idea that I'd had, this, this sentence that had popped into my brain years ago, climate action game show. Didn't know what that looked like, what that even meant, but it just made me laugh like, is that even, could that even be a thing? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, now's the time to try to make it and see what happens. So originally I made the first prototype selfishly for myself and for my community. You know, this, this was, again, I was on sabbatical, I was goofing off and all I wanted to do was gather my favorite people and have more fun talking about the things that we cared about. And it turns out that you can make conversations around climate really fun, like really, really fun. Mm -hmm. And that was the big aha from the early, the early prototype. And after that point, it kind of started taking on a life of its own. We debuted it at a festival in New York, which really lit the fire under my butt to build it out with the visual design and the sound design. We we had a musical curator. We had uh, prizes, surprises, all sorts of wacky fun moments like cake relays and, you know, props and, and sound effects. And that was the first time that we ran the game for an audience of people that did not know me, that weren't my immediate friends and, and peers. And they also loved it. So that was the indicator that, hey, actually, we might be onto something. Now, as this game was starting to take shape, folks started to approach me saying, oh, I hear you're working on this. This would actually be really useful in my organization, at my company, either because we have a climate commitment that we're trying to organize ourselves around and we all need to get on the same page as to what all of this stuff means, or quite simply, folks wanted a little bit of levity in their climate conversations, an opportunity to take a break and laugh and connect and feel joy in community to sustain those long-term challenging conversations and actions. So at that point, that's when I went back to my former employers at the Go Game and I said, look, I've got this game. It's it's a hootenanny. <laughs> People want it. Uh, right now, I'm I'm running it through a combination of different tools and a lot of enthusiasm and like duct tape. But you have an amazing platform. Can we build a version of this game on your platform so that we can run this at scale? We can run this. We can customize these games with with greater frequency, and we can reach more people with this content. And they were they were great. They're like 
come on in. <laughs> so we built the game on their amazing platform. It's called Weave, spelled W-E-V-E. And that's what makes it possible for the remote, in-person, and hybrid audiences. Prior to that, we were doing kind of a hodgepodge of, of tools. But now that it's on Weave, it's a it's it's a whole new experience, and um, voila, we have our we have ourselves a game show. Amazing! Tell me how it works. You know the actual what is the 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 sort of process of the game, and and it celebrates climate action, right? So talk to me about the sort of the how the game works, and then what the solutions built in are. Totally. So it's an hour long experience. We've made versions that are shorter and longer, but for the most part, it's nice as like a fifty minute experience. And it's divided into four rounds. Round one is called Feeling the Feels. And really, it grounds the entire experience in climate psychology, which we know now it's so important to address the complicated feelings we have around climate first before we can engage in action in the long term. So we start first feeling the feels. Mm -hmm. Then round two is understanding the solutions. And this is where all of the technical information comes into play, be it around drawdown or scope emissions or whatever information the audience needs to learn in order to engage in rounds three and four. Round three is celebrating the wins. So each challenge highlights or amplifies a different climate victory that has already happened because of awesome people doing awesome work together. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth round is taking action where the players can see not only how they can take action, but it culminates in a brainstorm where they can start to come up with the ideas that they're the most excited about. Because the theory of change behind all of this is that, first of all, not only do we need all hands on deck, but we need everyone to bring their unique skills and passions and curiosities to the to this space. So the game culminates in prompting players to think about what that looks like for them. So uh, I, I made that sound like a very dry arc. You have to believe me that it's um, actually quite <laughs> fun to get from feelings to action. Um, but but we set up the arc in that way because we found it set people up for success, whereas rounds one and four are designed to be fairly mm, stable. Rounds two and three are designed to be modular. So you can switch out the content in the solutions round and in the wins round to feature either areas of climate solutions or different communities that are doing incredible things so that depending on who your audience, the game really resonates with them. Mm -hmm. So each game can be slightly different depending on who is playing and what the desired outcomes are. And so who is the target audience for a game like this? I would imagine it's people who are somewhat climate curious already. Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is designed for the climate curious who are dipping their toes, but may not feel like they have deep expertise. Um, often... Folks who are on the sidelines around climate are feeling held back because of, like I said, the complicated feelings that come around climate. But then also it can feel it can be easy to feel shame around what we don't know or what we think we're not doing. And so this game is designed to make it accessible, warm, fun to dip your toes in the pool mm -hmm. 
so that you feel more confident in, in taking a stand. So I would say we have done a version of this game for climate experts, but the content tends to be geared towards folks who are looking for kind of a baseline before they, they dive in. It's also designed for top emitting populations. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the content is geared in that direction. So for folks who are not disproportionately contributing to the climate crisis, this game isn't necessarily designed for them and, and for their realities. It's designed for folks who are living predominantly in, um, I was going to say the Bay Area, but no, <laughs> predominantly in the United States and, and Europe as well, and understanding how our kind of normal is contributing to these larger issues and how we can start to change our systems in order to address the crisis. All right, time for a quick break. Before we do that, let's hear a little taste of Beat That Heat, shall we? So we are about to figure out how we're going to get all hands on deck to get to drawdown in a round of Name That Tune! You're about to listen to songs with rewritten lyrics about solutions that get us to draw down. Your job, tell us the original song. But first, a little context. There are two strategies we can roll out at the same time that help us get to draw down. One is called increasing carbon sinks, AKA sequestering or capturing carbon that's already in the sky. Luckily, nature is very good at this already. So we can increase carbon sinks simply by protecting old growth forests, restoring coral reefs, and practicing regenerative agriculture to name a few solutions. So here is your first tune. Any team that guesses the correct song gets the points. This song has been rewritten to be about regenerative agriculture. Oh, regenerative agriculture. It'll bring down the heat of the planet. Yeah, regenerative agriculture. It is better for bees. This week's episode is sponsored by Fennel Markets. You know how I have my three-part strategy for personal climate action, right? Vote, invest, and adopt. Well, sometimes the investing part can be a little fuzzy. It can feel like the kind of drop that will never fill up the bucket. And now you can take your climate and socially responsible investing to the next level with Fennel, the investing app that's on a mission to actually democratize investing. Here's how. First of all, you get the quality data that right now is generally only available to institutional investors. So you can choose your investments based on what matters most to you. That could be Buffett-style price-to-earnings, sure, or how happy a company's employees are, or yes, their carbon footprint. With over 200-plus ESG data points, Fennel empowers you to invest in companies that align with your values. And Fennel also empowers your voice as a shareholder. Other brokerages lend out their securities and give away your vote. With Fennel, you can stay up to date on past and upcoming votes surrounding matters you care about, like child labor policies, carbon emissions, and pay gap reporting. It's all right there in the app. Ready to get started? Download the Fennel app today and enjoy a seven-day free trial. Plus, they're offering one month free off your subscription once you've made an account. Download the app today at fennel.app.link slash Mollywood. Take control of your investments and join the super empowered investing movement with Fennel. A drop really can become a flood. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool. I'm talking with Jenny Gottstein about her climate action game show, Beat That Heat. 
just a little more sound from the game, but not too much because we don't want to spoil it. CO2 is measured in increments called carbon metric tons. So here's your next question. How big is a carbon metric ton? Is it A, roughly the size of Australia? B, roughly the length of an opera? C, roughly the weight of a wild yak? Or D, roughly the depths of despair? What do we think it is? Cast your vote, A, B, C, or D. David, C. Yes. <laughs> A lot of heated debate going on here. <laughs> okay, now to the actual solutions you'll find as part of the game and how play can turn into impact. So give me some examples, if you could, of the types of actions and solutions that that might be celebrated. Is it like flying less or, you know? Yeah. How do you, and how do you keep up on them? So I mentioned at the beginning about shame. Mm -hmm. Shame is a really powerful feeling and it can slow down action quicker than than really anything else. And so it's really important that this game is designed not to single out or dial up individual shame um, and instead focus on collective wins. So when we're talking about the solutions, we're talking about types of industries or areas that people can plug into be it retrofitting infrastructure, be it renewable energy, regenerative agriculture. We do talk about individual actions that people can take, like composting more or um, reducing unnecessary shipping and packaging. But it's we really drive home in the course of the game that climate change is not an individual problem. It is a systemic problem. And so it's less helpful for us to be shaming ourselves for how little we're recycling and it's more important for us to be uplifting the kinds of solutions that help change the system so that we don't have to recycle in the first place because products and systems are designed for circularity. Right. So in the solutions round, we're talking about um, basic climate vocabulary and and helping people get a, a grasp on what that means. So for example, we, we liken carbon metric tons to yaks to um, the weight of a wild yak. And then at that point on, every time that we talk about carbon in the atmosphere, we're talking about it in terms of yaks and how we're trying to keep yaks from floating up into the sky. Nice. So the solutions round is designed to make these ideas a little more tangible. And then the wins round, that's featuring things like, for example, you, you, you probably know this, but I realize a lot of people, I, I myself didn't, and I learned it in the last couple of years and was flabbergasted, but how the ozone is actually in the process of healing itself. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but in the 80s and 90s, that was a real mm -hmm. terror, you know, realizing that we were destroying the ozone layer was rightfully um, distressed about it. And then it's like we stopped talking about it. Well, as it turns out, in the 80s, you had a bunch of policymakers and scientists coming together and identifying the source of the problem, aerosols like the ones found in manufacturing and airspray. And they were able to get countries to ban using those very specific products. And now we're at a point years later where we're realizing that the ozone is healing itself. It's going to be fixed in the next 43 years at this rate. And that was because of global collaboration that happened in the 80s. Well, 
a lot of people don't know all of that backstory and are quite inspired when they learn it. So one of the missions that we have in the game is around that arc and then encouraging people to rack up points by filming their favorite victory dance to that epic climax victory. <laughs> and I should point out that this game is not just oriented for extroverts. Introverts like myself are well represented. So there's also missions like Pictionary, there's uh, memory matching games, um, there's word puzzle searches, and there's also things including funny memes and name that tune. So there's a lot of different ways that players can rack up points for their team that engage a lot of different skill sets. It's so delightful. And I love the idea of conceiving this as a game. And it also sounds to me like, and I hate to find this surprising, but I do, but it sounds to me like people bought into this idea <laughs> when you started pitching it, which I wouldn't have necessarily thought was an obvious pitch. Like certainly as a journalist, <laughs> when I was pitching climate stories, <laughs> you know, many editors tend to think of it as the vegetables of of mm. news coverage, for example. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you didn't run into that. People were like, yeah, let's do it. It's fun. <laughs> Apparently, everyone seems to have the same reaction to the words climate action game show that I did, which was what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> right. Um, yep. And just kind of a natural curiosity. I think there's a hunger for infusing these conversations in this space with joy and delight. And so the minute that you offer that as an option, I, I, I haven't had to hard pitch anybody. It's just, hey, we're doing this thing, come along. And the support has been phenomenal. So I, I think it's an indicator that if we can figure out ways to ground these actions, these behavior changes, these ideas, these conversations, in connection and joy, we're going to see greater participation. And I, I want to be really clear and say that it's important when designing for joy and play and fun in spaces such as this, that you're not also diminishing the importance, the severity, the how, how traumatic this experience is for so many people and it's more traumatic for some than others. And so it's a very fine line to walk to make sure that you're not trivializing a an experience that is inconceivable and unprecedented. But there are ways to ground in humor in a way that feels inclusive versus alienating. And that's what we've been playing around with here and, and learning over the past two years of what really works and what doesn't. I'll tell you a time when we failed and it goes back to that idea of shame. We had a mission in the game that was called Two Truths and a Climate Lie. And the point of the mission was to get people to share, or the way that it works right now is that teams come together and they come up with three actions, good or bad, that members on their team do fairly frequently. So for example, it could be they recycle paper they take long showers sometimes, they poop in their compost, and then everyone else has to guess which of those things are the lie, right? Mm -hmm. So originally, when we did this, mm -hmm. we had it as an individual challenge. Everybody had to come up with their two truths and a climate lie. And then other teammates had to figure out which one was the lie. And 
it was so uncomfortable. The minute someone got up in the hot seat and they had their three things like next to their face and people are silently judging them like, I don't know, do they poop in their compost? It was, you could just right. see oh. shame. Everyone was swimming in it. Even though we set up the mission, the mission was designed to be the precursor to the driving home the point that nobody is a climate saint and right. everybody uh, is you know is is on a different part of their climate journey, and the point is not to shame, but instead to figure out how to change our systems. And so the rest of the missions are all, all about systems change. So this was a very important kind of pivotal moment in the story arc of the game, and yet people could not hear that point because they were so busy just blushing so hard. And so we realized that we had to frame it differently, and instead it was a group challenge. Now it's not just one person being put on display. And we added in some ways to make it a little more lighthearted, but there's, there's, again, there's nuance to setting something like this up and it can go horribly wrong. So we've had a a lot of great lessons along the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's such a, it's such a real point that when, that when you're having a serious conversation with somebody about climate, they express you know, exactly what you're describing outside of the bounds of a game, which is I am overwhelmed by the size of this problem. I'm stressed by it. I feel guilty. I actually just talked to someone who said, I kind of feel like I'm not even allowed to talk about positive climate action unless I do all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, unless I'm doing everything right, I'm a giant hypocrite. I know. And I was like... (laughs) Oh my God, no, please just do one thing, right? Like anything. Yeah. No, there's no such thing as perfect. Just do anything. Totally. It does feel so precarious. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this game exists is to invite people to see that there are so many different ways to plug in. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But the most important thing, and now I'm totally blowing this game. So um, spoiler alert, but the game, <laughs> it ends with the number one most impactful climate action we can take and it's whatever brings us joy it's joyful activism Aww. that is the grand finale of like hey come up with what infuses you with joy and do that because if you do that you will probably keep doing it and you may inspire others in the process but either way it's that sustained action with people in community that serves to change systems so it makes me so sad to hear people afraid to even start for fear of messing up mm-hmm. because there is no wrong way to do that if you're approaching it with a growth mindset, with humility, with curiosity, and with hope. So yeah, yeah I, I, hope, I hope that message gets far and wide. Well, I love the idea of just of making it accessible and giving that permission. I mean, I think it's so valuable that we get there in whatever way we can and allow people to have fun with it and laugh about it. It's just such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful concept. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait for you to play. I know. It's fun. I have a blast putting it together. And now we have a whole team of game hosts that are running these games for clients around the world. So it's great. You know, I get to run the public fundraiser games, but I, we also have folks that are running this shoulder to shoulder. That's what's so nice about this this new iteration of the game is that it's it's scalable in that way. There's no reason that you should, but do you track impact at all? Or do you have a sense of how many people have done this? Or does it, even anecdotally, does anybody ever write to you and say, you know, now I'm recycling? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, we are tracking 
impact in terms of people's reactions to the experience and also behavior changes as a result of the game, which obviously is a a longer term process. So we're working on, on developing the infrastructure to track that over time. But two things anecdotally that have emerged. I've heard more than once people say, wow, this is the most fun I've ever had talking about climate change, Mm. which I take as a good sign. And also the bar is quite low. So (laughs) I'll, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Right. Yep. Usually not that fun. (laughs) Right. It's pretty much your game and my show. That's the only place it's fun. (laughs) I mean, for starters, right? We're going to see a a tipping point, I'm sure, of having more fun. We better because we need it. Yep. But yeah, so, so definitely hearing great reactions to the experience itself. And then as far as the the longer term impacts, it highly depends on who the game is for. So as I mentioned, we run games for clients and usually they're bringing this game in for a team building experience, a happy hour. Maybe it's part of a larger training, organizing around climate commitments or gathering information from employee groups about what they're excited about in terms of shaping the their company's climate agenda. And for those games, what we're starting to see is at the end, after everyone has brainstormed their ideas, now there's a pool of action items. And so we're starting to see work streams being built around those actions, those joyful actions that people have identified. So exciting to see how what's generating, being generated in the course of the game is now being parlayed into roadmaps. Now, when we run the game for the public, we do these public fundraiser games. It's free to attend. Anybody can come as long as you have a browser and headphones and Wi-Fi. And if you want to donate, it's pay what you wish. And each game is a fundraiser for a different climate action organization. And after those games, we're starting to see interesting behavior shifts. Again, it's it's anecdotal. It's through our, our survey at the end. But folks who are saying, oh, you know what? After this game, I went out and bought a compost system for my mom and I, even though our municipality doesn't compost yet, was so inspired by this and have always wanted to try. So now we're trying. And other. Uh, meanwhile, we're also hearing folks saying, hey, as a result of this game, I signed up for a climate training course. I'm really interested in figuring out how to pivot my career or build out new skill sets for the climate economy. So it's really exciting to see in these two different ways how the game is shaping people's reactions and future actions. So cool. Okay, so how do people find it? Well, we have all of our information currently on climateactiongameshow.com. Awesome. And there you will see not only the link to book for a private group, but then you'll also be able to sign up to be notified when we have upcoming public games. Jenny Gottstein is the creator of the Climate Action Game Show. Thank you so much. I'm going to book one. I'm going to book one for my friends. Ah, how fun. Can't wait. Right? It's just going to be like a little nobody's birthday birthday party. (laughs) Yes. And people get really into it. So be ready for some competitive spirit. I can't wait. Jenny, this is so great. What a wonderful, new, again, adoptable, practical, fantastic approach to something that we all want to talk about, but aren't, aren't always sure how. Thanks, Molly. It's been a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Everybody in the Pool. Now I'm kind of wondering if we should have an online game gathering 
right? Like you and me, dear listeners, what do we think? Email me in at everybodyinthepool.com. And if you have an unexpected climate solution or an idea for a new job or a tip to share, seriously, I'm reading these emails. Please keep them coming. And for a deeper dive and more climate solutions news and information, subscribe to my newsletter at mollywood.co. Thanks again to our sponsor, Fennel. See you next week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.